continuing our anchor series, and we are going to jump right into it. Ezekiel chapter 37, we're going to start first verse, and we're going to work our way down from there. Ezekiel 37. And I'm going to dive right in. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. This is Ezekiel speaking. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me into the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had covered, or flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to these breath, or prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said to me, son of man, These bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. I love... uh, how God put this anchor series on the heart of our leadership, especially in this season. Because when we hear the word anchor, you know, our minds immediately refer to a ship on the sea. And when an anchor is dropped into the sea, the weight of the anchor keeps the wind or the current of the sea from causing the ship to drift. So this would mean that an anchor provides security. When we read this passage of Ezekiel, we see how God's word and his power is revealed as an anchor for our lives, along with last week's scripture and the scriptures to come. And so the first point that I want to make from this is God is Lord of all. That's the first thing that we can learn from this passage. God is Lord of all. God gives Ezekiel a vision, and in this vision, God brings him to a valley of bones 
not only was it a valley of bones, but the Bible says it was a valley full of dry bones. To be more specific, it says that they were full of very dry bones, which means these bones were lifeless and had been lifeless for a very long time. So when Ezekiel is standing in this valley, in this vision, he sees this valley of dry bones. He sees a valley of hopelessness. He sees a valley with no chance of life, with no chance of recovery. This valley seems to be the end. When he sees this valley, he sees a valley full of people that were counted out. You know, when a body gets to the point where they're dry bones and when they're this dry, we don't see the point in praying for them anymore. We don't see the point in praying for their healing. We don't see the point in making prayer requests because it seems to be a lost cause. What's done is done. Some of you may understand what it's like to be in a valley of dry bones in your life. Some of you may know what this looks like in your life because some of you may have a relative that you spent years praying for, but no matter how much you pray that God would save them, their lifestyle gets worse. Some of you may have children who grew up in the church, but they strayed away, and you've been praying that God would open their eyes to recognize their sin, so they may repent and come to Jesus. But the more you pray, the farther they seem to go from God. It may be a coworker, it may be a neighbor, it may be a close friend who seems to be a lost cause. Their bones are so dry that it seems like there's no point even praying for them anymore. We pray and we pray and we pray and it seems fruitless, so we quit. That's the valley of dry bones. And Ezekiel sees what most people would consider a lost cause. And God asked the question in verse 3, son of man, can these bones live? Now, after hearing the condition of the valley and then hearing God's question, it seems as if even God doesn't know. It seems as if even God doesn't know if, these, if there's hope for these skeletons in the valley. It seems like God has given up hope. It seems like he doesn't know, but, but thank God he's omniscient. He knows everything, which means that God never asked a question out of curiosity. God never asked a question so he can learn or he can grow. He never asked a question because he needs to know. But sometimes God will ask a question to expose an area of our life that needs growth. Sometimes he'll ask a question that will cause us to examine our hearts and examine our minds. He may ask a question that may reveal our level of faith. And in this text, this question that God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live, is a reminder of his unlimited power. I believe When he asked this question, it serves as a reminder that the greatest problem in this world, the darkest situation in this world that we may face is still no match for his power. And the same question that God is asking Ezekiel is the same question he's asking you from his word. When we look at the state of our country and the state of the church where sin is being justified and holiness is being condemned, Where right is being called wrong and wrong is being called right. This is the valley of dry bones. When we look at the dry bones in our personal life, that wayward spouse, that rebellious child, God is asking, can these dry bones live? Can God transform that person's heart and open their eyes to see the need for a savior? Can God bring that person to repentance even when it seems hopeless? When it seems like they've just, they're too far gone. God asks Ezekiel this question and Ezekiel responds with an answer that seems to be extremely relaxed. But when we take the time to focus on this 
answer, we'll see the depth and humility of, of his response. It's an answer that I pray encourages you while living in a world of dry bones. In verse 3, God asked Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel answered, oh, Lord God, you know. In other words, while Ezekiel is in this valley, Ezekiel says this outcome of this valley is in your hands. Something that I want to point out about his answer, before he actually gives his full response, the first thing he does is he acknowledges who has all authority. He says, oh, Lord God. The title Lord is that of an owner. It's a ruler with servants and slaves that are bound to his will. That's what Psalm 24 is all about. The earth is the Lord's. The fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. He is the Lord who knows and sees the beginning and the end. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at the same time. He's not a man that he should lie or repent. He's perfect in all his ways and thoughts, which are higher than our ways and thoughts. And this is what Ezekiel is declaring when he honors God as Lord. He says, oh, Lord, God, you know, I see that this valley is full of dry bones and I have concerns. I might even be afraid, but because you are Lord and I am not, because you're all powerful and I am not, because you see the beginning of time to the end, I can't because you know all things and I don't. I give this entire situation to you. Not only was Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones, but the Bible says that God placed him in the middle of the valley. So everywhere Ezekiel looked, he saw death. Every angle that he turned, he saw nothing but a hopeless situation. He saw no chance of recovery. But he says, Lord God, I give everything I see to you. God is asking this question from his word to you all, can these dry bones live? And this is the answer that we should strive to have. Oh, Lord God, I give you my wayward spouse. Oh, Lord God, I put my rebellious children in your hands. Oh, Lord God, I give you my family, my coworkers, my neighbors. I place this situation in your hands because you are God, you are Lord of all. When Ezekiel sees these dry bones, there was nothing he could do or say in his own strength. There was nothing that he could say in his own wisdom or his knowledge to bring life to these bones. And in the same way, there's nothing that we can do in our own strength to make our family members draw near to Jesus. There's nothing that we can do in our own strength to make our Christian friends live out what they profess. There is nothing that Ezekiel could do in his own strength. There was nothing he could say in his own wisdom or knowledge to bring life to these bones, which brings me to my next point. God's word is powerful. God's word is powerful. I'm going to read this passage again from Ezekiel 37, starting at verse 3. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you 
and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. So we're seeing the power of God's word. There's several areas that I want to focus on when it comes to God's word. The first thing that I want to point out that we can learn when it comes to God's word is the, the value of hearing God's word. We must hear God's word. We must hear God's word. Verse 4, it says, Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is the first time, this is the first time that a preacher is given a sermon to a congregation of bones. This is the first church service where only one person was alive in the sanctuary. Ezekiel is told to preach to bones. And Ezekiel declares the word of the Lord only. He preaches God's word only. God gives him an assignment to preach, and he doesn't use this moment to share his political views. He doesn't use this moment to preach on seven keys to a prosperous life. He was told to preach God's word only because it's in and it's through the spoken word of God that we have life. We are a multi-campus church. And if we're planning on growing as a church and if we're planning on growing as a local church, we have to stand on God's word because anything outside of that will not last. In verse four, God tells Ezekiel, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So how do we hear the word of the Lord spoken? We attend corporate worship. We attend corporate worship, family devotion, small group commitment, reading God's word in your personal time. In days like this, we cannot afford to grow and build campuses on anything else but God's word because if the church is swayed on popular opinion or the trends of the time, it won't last. We need to hear God's word. It gives us an increase of faith and trust in him. God's word should not only be heard during preaching, but even during worship. Through song. When you go to different campuses here at Coastal, you can tell the worship team strives to sing songs that are saturated in scripture. This is why corporate worship is so important because it's a time to hear God's word through the preaching and singing and giving in the company of other believers. It's an anchor that keeps us secure like a ship in the time of storm. If we were to take time to examine our hearts, my question to you, what are you using as an anchor in your life? Is it your political party? Is it your spouse or your children? Is it the money in the bank? Is it the job or your hopes or your dreams? God's word is our anchor. It gives hope in the hopeless situations and it gives life to the lifeless. This is what we should be meditating on at times like this when our country is getting the way it is, especially as we're headed toward election season. 
When so-called Christian leaders are leading their congregation astray, when our children are refusing to obey authority and our families are being torn apart, we have to feast on God's word because it's God's word that builds our faith to look at what seems to be a hopeless situation and say, oh, Lord God, I put it in your hands. Oh, Lord God, you know. Ezekiel preached God's word to the bones and the sinews and the flesh covered the bones and skin covered the bones. What once was a valley of skeletons is now a valley of identifiable and put together people. So that means God's word clears up confusion and brings order. When Ezekiel spoke the word of God, the bones came together. So that means before that, when, before he spoke God's word, bones were everywhere. Nothing was connected. But through the word of God, in the midst of confusion, everything came together. So this goes back to not only hearing God's word, but also speaking God's word. As children of God, we are commanded to declare God's word. You know, the world needs to know this. The world needs to know that any lifestyle that doesn't line up with the scripture is wrong. They need to know that any views that don't line up with scripture is wrong. It's not enough just to read God's word, but we're called to share it with others. Just a few months ago, we did a series on the book of Jonah. And you know the book of jo the story of Jonah. God commands Jonah to preach to the sinful nation of Nineveh. And after a long uh, spell of rebellion and consequences, Jonah finally goes. And in Jonah chapter 4, God implies to Jonah that there were sins that the Ninevites committed that they didn't even know were wrong. Not much has changed today. Not much has changed today. There are people in this world that are sinning and rebelling against God without knowing it. Because no one has ever told them it was wrong. They didn't know. They don't know. They never heard it. There are people in this world so overwhelmed with hurt that they'll do anything to find peace. They'll do anything to find relief, even if it causes them to rebel against God. And so we're called to preach God's word because God's word reveals a better way. People are trying to find relief because they're stressed. So they'll go to drugs and they'll go to alcohol. People are looking for love in all the wrong places, but we're called to preach a better way. God's word provides a better way and his name is Jesus Christ. Ezekiel, he didn't just receive the word of God, but he shared it. And what we would deem to be an impossible situation took place. The bones that were covered in flesh and order was brought to the valley. But though they were identifiable, though the bones were covered and put together, they still had no life. Which brings me to the next point. God's spirit brings life. God's spirit brings life. Ezekiel 37, I'm going to read verses 8 and 9. It says, And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. When Ezekiel prophesied to the bones, God connected them together and he formed their bodies. But even after they looked like humans, there was still no life in them. 
So God commanded Ezekiel to prophesy to the breath. When you look at this word breath in Hebrew, it's the same word as spirit. When the spirit entered their bodies, life entered their bodies. So this isn't the first time we've seen something like this. We have, this isn't the first time we've seen the power of God's word and the power of God's spirit at work in the earth. It's through the power of God's word that the entire earth was formed. It's through the power of God's word that every galaxy in space and every body of word is in existence today. We've seen the power of God's word through his word. But it's also not the first time we've seen God's breath being breathed into the lifeless. After God spoke the universe into existence, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 that God took the dust of the earth and he formed man. He made bones, he made sinews, he made flesh, he made skin, but man was still lifeless. But the Bible says after he formed man, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And so just as God breathed literal life into man, it's through God's spirit that we live spiritually. So God put flesh on the bones and in verse 9, he breathed into them so they could live. It's in verse 9 that we actually see that God is a promise keeper based on the last chapter. Just one chapter before this in Ezekiel 36, starting at verse 26, God promises a spiritual rebirth in the nation of Israel. And I'm going to go ahead and read that, Ezekiel 36, verses 26 through 28. God says, and you don't have to read, look for it, I'm going to just read it. It says, God says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. This is the promise that God makes to Ezekiel in chapter 36. So when we read this morning's passage in chapter 37, God is giving Ezekiel a visual illustration of what he promised in the chapter before. So through the power of God's spirit, through the power of his word, we have life. Another point that we can learn from God's word in this passage is how God's word transforms. God's word transforms starting at verse 10 Ezekiel chapter 37 this is what is this is what Ezekiel did he says so I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army then he said to me son of man these bones are the whole house of Israel behold they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost we are indeed cut off Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring to you or bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. When we started this morning's passage, the valley was full of dry bones. By the end of this morning's passage, the valley has an entire army in it. God took lifeless skeletons and transformed them into an entire army. 
An army is trained and equipped for battle. An army is trained to withstand hardship and adversity. An army is trained to be sharp and watchful and vigilant. An army submits and honors leadership whether they understand the order or not, they just obey. The valley went from being a full valley of weak, frail, lifeless, dry bones to a group of soldiers full of life, equipped and trained and ready for battle. That's the transformative power of God's word. That's the transformative power of God's spirit. Verse 1, it tells us that everything Ezekiel saw was in a vision. And in verse 11, God unpacks the vision so that we can understand what all this is about. He tells us that these soldiers in the valley represent the nation of Israel. During this time of Ezekiel, the nation of Israel was extremely rebellious. Anything God told them to do, they just decided to do the opposite of that. So whatever God said, they just did the opposite. They worshiped other gods. They lived like other pagan nations. But God called prophets like Ezekiel to stand up for holiness and righteousness and preach the truth despite the culture. That's why it's so important to remember that in this vision, God placed Ezekiel in the middle of the valley. As I stated earlier, Ezekiel was surrounded by the dry bones in the valley. So if the dry bones represent the wickedness of Israel, Ezekiel was surrounded by wickedness. But God commanded him to preach despite his surroundings. We're living in the day of Ezekiel, where it seems like everywhere we look, the nation is promoting a lifestyle that, of, that could harm the bodies, promoting lifestyles that degrade women. They're promoting lifestyles that tear families apart. We're, pro we're promoting lifestyles in this country that go against Scripture. And though we're surrounded by the culture of sin, God is calling us to preach his word despite our surroundings. So sometimes it may seem as if preaching truth to a sinful world is a lost cause. We strive to live out God's word, but when we go to work, no one wants to hear it. We strive to preach to our family, text inspirational scriptures to our family, and no one wants to hear it. The funny thing about Ezekiel in chapter 1, God calls him in a vision and ordains him as a prophet right on the spot. But the crazy thing about this, when God ordained Ezekiel as a prophet, he ordained him knowing that no one would listen to him. No one would ever listen to Ezekiel's preaching. But does that change the truth of what Ezekiel preached? At the end of the day, we will stand before God. Whether people will listen or not, we will be able to say prayerfully, I did what you told me to do. That's, that's all God cares about. That's what God's concern is. Will you do what I told you to do? Whether people listen or not, whether people receive it or not, at the end of the day, we're commanded to preach. Ezekiel was in the midst of wickedness, but God called him to preach. God gave him this vision and told him that he would save and restore the nation of Israel despite their sin. What we are seeing is what we would deem to be the impossible. There is no person in existence whose sin can outmatch or outrun the love, the grace, and the mercy, and the power of God. God can transform anyone he chooses through the power of his spirit. And the proof of that is in this chapter. The proof of that 
is in God's ultimate act of love. He is a holy and he is a righteous God who made us in his image and in his likeness. But out of arrogance, we rebelled against God. And like the nation of Israel, we tried to live life on our own terms. Our rebellion, it brought sin into the world and sin snatched the life out of mankind. It snatched so much life out of mankind that we were left to dry. We were left as dry bones and lifeless. When you look at Ezekiel 37, it's not only a representation of the nation of Israel, but it's a representation of all mankind that needed life. We were like Israel, existing in this world dry and lifeless, like skeletons because of sin. We are put in the place to deserve nothing but God's wrath. But instead of pouring out his wrath, he poured out his love by sending us his son, the son of man. God asked Ezekiel this question in verse 3. Son of man, can these dry bones live? And all throughout the book of Ezekiel, he's referred to as son of man. That's a common phrase that we hear throughout the scripture because it's recognition of one's humanity. Ezekiel 37, God is showing Ezekiel the sin of Israel. And he calls him son of man, not to praise or glorify him. Because Ezekiel, though he was called to be a prophet, he was still a man with a sin nature. Ezekiel was still a man with flaws. But just a little over 500 years later, God the Father would send his son, the son of man. And all through scripture, the prophets and leaders are referred to as son of man. But no one in scripture is called the son of man. Everyone is just called son of man because in order for you to be called the son of man, it means that you had to have mastered living in this world perfectly. Anyone who is called the son of man has mastered living in a world full of dry bones without conforming to their surroundings. Jesus, the son of man, God the Son lived in this dark world full of lifeless people in need of a Savior. And he lived among us being tempted at all points to conform to his surroundings but remain sinless. And through, and though Jesus was surrounded by dry bones, he was surrounded by sinners. He displayed love by declaring God's word. And through his word, through the word of Christ, sick bodies were healed. The dead were raised. Sinners felt his love and they repented and they followed him. Though Jesus was tempted at all points, he remained sinless. But we still deserve the Father's wrath for our sins. But Jesus came to this earth and lived a sinless life so that he could face the Father's wrath on our behalf. He took the penalty of our sin upon himself by dying on the cross. For hours he hung on the cross being beaten and torn while blood ran down his body like water. He was rejected by his own, but yet he still declared God's word whether people received it or not. He declared God's forgiveness. He quoted scripture in the midst of a sinful world. And right before his dying breath, he declared our freedom by saying it is finished. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and three days later, he bodily rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. Jesus, the risen Savior, he is the risen Savior whose innocent life covers us from the penalty of the Father if our faith is in him. So when you surrender your life to Jesus, 
You are saved from the penalty of sin. The Holy Spirit will dwell in you and bring life to your spiritual body. And the Holy Spirit who guides us in the path of righteousness so that we may live like Jesus. That is the power of the transformative love of Jesus Christ. We're living in a time where people are hurting more than ever. They're looking for God's attributes in the wrong places. I said earlier, they're looking for love in the wrong places, for peace and for wisdom and guidance in the wrong places. They're looking for joy in the wrong places. But this world is looking for something that only Jesus can offer. That's what this word teaches. After unpacking Ezekiel 37, some of us have looked at our lives and realize that our lack of spending time with God has brought a dryness to our walk with the Lord. Some of us may have walked away from God. And now we find ourselves wondering if it's too late to come to Jesus. It's too late to restore my relationship with Jesus. But I want to encourage you by praying for a refilling of the Holy Spirit. So that he can take control. It's only through him that we find Strength. It's only through him that we find life. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit can we be transformed from lifeless dry bones to a spirit-filled army equipped to stand for righteousness. God has raised up his children to declare his word. He placed us in the middle of environments in a dark world where people are living contrary to his word. In a dark world, he's asking us, can these dry bones live? And our answer that we should strive to have, oh Lord God, we give this situation to you. We give our co-workers, our children, our spouse, our family to you because you know. I encourage you to make that your view of God. Who can transform the heart of anyone he chooses from this day forward. God can transform anyone. It doesn't matter how dry the bones are in your life. Doesn't matter how wayward your family members or friends are. Don't see them as a lost cause. God can transform the heart of anyone. And that's proven through the power and the sinless life of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Because your word is true. Your word is powerful. It gives life. We're living in a very dark world where sin has sucked us dry. We exist in this world like a valley of dry bones, but we thank you that your word gives life. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Thank you for your living word, Jesus Christ, who came among us, lived a sinless life, who displayed your love. We thank you for his death on the cross and his resurrection. We thank you that through him we have eternal life, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, everything that we're looking for in this life can be found. We pray, Lord, that our eyes will be fixed on you, knowing that the joy that we're looking for, the peace, can only be found in you. Thank you for this time of worship through song and through the preaching and teaching of your word. We pray that we would apply it to our everyday lives and situations as we go from day to day. We give you thanks for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.